in verse 1 of Luke 16, there was a certain rich man who had a steward or a trustee, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fall, they may receive you into into an everlasting home. Verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, Who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 14. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. Because it is kind of a confusing story, isn't it? Is Jesus praising a con artist? What's going on here? Verse 15. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. These guys derided him when meanwhile he had set them up with the story of a con man that got away with it. And yet in in this guy's operation, there's one thing commendable, and we'll see what that is in a couple minutes. But he's speaking to the religious people who were guilty of similar things that they had covered up with religion. And so by them opening their mouth and deriding Jesus for this story, he blasts them by saying, you guys love stuff that God hates. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you to speak to us from your word this morning. Let life come in Jesus' name. Amen. Entrance of God's word brings light, and may he enlighten us all today. We've been speaking about trust, and today we're entitling this, Can God Trust Me Too? Or lessons learned from a uh, trust-building lessons learned from an untrustworthy guy, if you want to give it another title. Uh, Some review from last week, we saw that God is trustworthy and deserving of our confidence. His care is constant, and his gifts are generous. And he has entrusted to us all the blessings we have. Everything we have, he has given to us. And we are the trustees of everything he has given us. Let me ask you 
a question. If you are blessed with $400, how much of the $400 should go to God? How much of it belongs to God? Oh, man, I can't trick you guys. God wants to trust us. Some people thinking of the principle of tithing would say $40 uh, belongs to God. But in reality, we're the trustees of everything he's given us. It all belongs to him. Uh, tithing is just an opportunity we have to, to show our faithfulness and trustworthiness to him. God wants to trust us. We also saw that our master wants to trust us and for our trustworthiness to grow. You know, the more trustworthy you are, the more you'll be trusted with in life. Could it be a key to personal prosperity is due to a need for more trustworthiness, more integrity. There was a man with the initials LL who in the earlier part of this century produced some boots, sold them in a catalog with a money-back guarantee. And that first year, he got back 90% of his products. But he stood by his word, even though it cost him greatly. Today, we know him as L.L. Bean, who sees that shoes catalog. Would not be in existence if that man had not maintained his trustworthiness. We also saw that God entrusts little things to us so that we can learn how to be faithful. Just as a parent trusts their child with little things as they prove trustworthiness, you know, when you drive, you get the permit first. And, uh, we were going to teach our children to, to uh, drive. And then when I saw that the requirements for teaching your child to drive was like 100 hours of lecture from the parents, I said, forget it. We're coming up with the money somehow. <laughs> Thank God for driver's ed. Those found to be faithful with little will be trusted with more. Those who are not trustworthy with little will not be trusted. We saw this from the parable of the talents last week. When we become more trusting, we are more trustworthy. The guy who could not be trusted with his master's investment uh, was a guy that didn't trust his boss. Could it be that we don't really have an a issue with giving. We just have an issue with trusting. If we'll trust God more, He'll use us more and He can bless us more. And finally, how to become more trustworthy. Believe your Heavenly Father wants to trust you. Maybe you were raised in a home where guilt reigned and your, your vision of God is He's got a big hammer just daring for you to mess up. Uh, maybe you were constantly grounded as a kid or always on probation or just uh, the, the, the atmosphere of shame reigned throughout your childhood. That's not God's will. He doesn't put his children under shame. When you repent, he forgives you and helps you to not do it again. See yourself as one of your father's many trustees. We're not the only one he's trusting his blessings to, but all of his children. Realize He has entrusted you with all that you have. I know there's some repetition here, but it's to drive a point home. Be faithful to do His will with all He's entrusted you. What has He entrusted to you? Be faithful to do His will with it. Well, He's blessed me with a spouse. Well, be faithful to that spouse. Amen. A man that finds a wife finds a good thing. Hi, good thing. 
Watch for opportunities to do His will as His trustee. And be thankful and appreciative for what's entrusted to you. The uh, foolish steward who buried his talent wasn't thankful. I just got one talent and that other guy got two talents and that other guy got five. When Meanwhile, a talent was worth 6,000 denarii. In another parable of Jesus, a denarii was a day's wage. I mean, how many years is that? 20 years worth of salary if you take weekends off? A great investment, but he wasn't thankful. And so if, we'll th- if we're thankful for what God has given to us, it just opens something up in our spirit where we're able to receive the grace that we need to grow in our Christian walk and trustworthiness. All right. Before we look at what's commendable with this guy in the story, I want to tell you another story of another shrewd man. It was a millionaire that walked into a bank in Manhattan and told the teller, I need to borrow $5,000 today. So the teller got him with the loan officer. The loan officer says, I don't know who you are and I don't have time to do research. I need some collateral. So he gave him the keys to his Rolls Royce out front. The loan officer immediately had the Rolls Royce parked downstairs. They did the deal. The man got the banker's check for $5,000 and walked out. Three weeks later, this is actually a commercial. It's not a true story, but it's on a commercial. You can see it. Three weeks later, he walks back into the bank and says, I'm ready to settle up, and I need the keys to my Rolls Royce. So they handed the keys to his Rolls Royce, and he wrote a check for $5,000 plus interest, which happened to be $27. And uh, when they completed the transaction, the loan officer said, Sir, I had some time to do some background on you. You are a millionaire. Why did you need $5,000? Well, I was making a trip to Europe. Yeah, but you, you've got millions. Why did you need $5,000? He says, well, I didn't make these millions just by doing what everybody else does. I needed a place to park, a safe place to park my Rolls Royce. <laughs> and there's nowhere else in Manhattan where I could do it for three weeks for $27.59. <laughs> a shrewd dude. Ten uncommendable marks of the unfaithful steward in this story. He was wasteful. He was accused of wasting his master's goods. Number two, he was vulnerable. All that happened was an accusation was made. It doesn't say proof was made or anything. But he was vulnerable. He was very fearful. Oh, no, I'm going to lose my job. He knew he didn't have a chance if he... he, was falsely accused. Obviously, he could stand up on his two feet and present his case, defend himself, and, and uh, save his job. And now he's fearful of having to dig ditches and beg. He was not repentant. He didn't, as characters in other stories had done, beg the master for forgiveness. He wasn't repentant. He just continued with the same. He was lacking in loyalty to his master. He wasn't grateful for his job. He continued being unfaithful, and he uses unfaithfulness to win friends. And so some people took advantage of this situation, and this guy would certainly reap everything he had sown. 
his new friends, like him, would have integrity issues. And his resume and character references would be worthless as a result of this. So why did Jesus tell this story? Is it to trick the Pharisees that were listening in on his discipleship? Could be. If you, if you dig into it, he set those guys up big time and exposed their wickedness. Another place he had derided them for their shrewdness in that they were not taking care of their parents. The Pharisees were not taking care of their parents in their elderly years which biblically we are to honor our father and mother. And the way they did it but was by pledging, not giving, just pledging, all their possessions to the temple and giving themselves some type of little salary and saying, sorry, Mom and Dad, uh, what you could have gotten from me I gave to the building program. Jesus derided them for that. So what is the lesson... From this story. There's ten things I see. But the number one thing. The reason he told the story. Is unlike many. This evil steward took advantage of present opportunities. To prepare for the future. So the master commended the unjust steward. Because he had dealt shrewdly. Why did he commend him? He was fixing to lose his job. What opportunities were available to him. That he could use. Even though it was wrong. His master was in awe of just how wicked he was, I guess. He had a present opportunity to deal with something that could help him up in the future. Short-lived as his vision was, he wasn't thinking long-term. Still, it was amazing how he, rather than trying to clean up the mess in the accounting books, he just added to the problem so that he could get a job when this job came to an end. So... He took advantage of present opportunities, even though they were temptations to sin, to prepare for the future. How many believers have opportunities not to sin, but to deal with things today so that tomorrow they don't have problems? Something, there's a key to prosperity in that. The sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. I believe that we could read it like this and not do damage to the verse. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light in their generation. The sons of this world have a short generation, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years at the most. Uh, maybe past 100 years was not really high quality up in, up in the centenarians' lives uh, generally. Many times people with a short life are more shrewd or more wise in managing their short life than those of us who manage our eternal life. We live like we're in the short world when really we're eternal beings in the hands of God. Here's the next lesson. We can prepare, we can prepare for our eternal future with money. This is what the story says. Verse 9, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. He's talking about money. That when you fail, 
they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now, it's not a big stretch to, to, to apply our generation to the world's generation. The guy in this story was going to fail. He was going to lose his job. And so he did something in the present to prepare for tomorrow so that he would have another job. Well, we're not going to lose our job, but one day our bodies are going to cease to exist. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, all right? So he says, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now he's talking to his disciples. If you just read it on the surface, you may, you may think he's saying... Yeah, be a con guy like this and you go to hell with people like that. That's not what he's saying. He's discipling them. Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. How can we do that? How can you make friends for yourselves with money so that, so that when you fail or when you cease to live in this life, they may receive you into an everlasting home? Who's heard the song, Thank you for giving to the Lord. I was life that was changed. Let me tell you, I know some African brothers and sisters and have met some in Central America and some in Europe that you're going to meet too one day. And they're going to thank you for supporting missions. They're going to thank you. Here's the fact about money. We can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. Hearses don't have trailer hitches. Never seen a limo pulling a U-Haul. You know, there's a company that makes suits for funerals. They don't have pockets. Heard a story of a lady whose husband made her promise him that she would bury him with all his money. He kept it all at home. Didn't trust nobody. Didn't do anything to invest it. He just kept it. Meanwhile, you know, with inflation, it loses value. Just sitting in a safe. And so when he died, just before they closed the casket, his wife put a big box in the casket with him and slammed the lid and they buried him. A friend who had known this story says, I cannot believe you did it. You, you buried him with his money. Yes, I'm a woman of my word. I kept my promise. But how much money was it? Oh, it was a lot. I cannot believe you did that. Was it cash or coins? She says, no, I wrote a check. <laughs> In Luke 12, Jesus says, sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Markets crash, stocks fall, banks fail, businesses close, and corporations grow under. What is your investment comfort zone? The investment comfort zone is something that financial planners used to describe the level of bravery you would exercise in making your investments. Those who are very fearful 
hide it, hide their money somewhere. But yet inflation bites them because years later when they get that money out from under the rock or wherever it is, it's not worth what it was because of inflation when they hit it. I heard a story of someone here in Dacre Dova Bend that invested in a bunch of gold, put it in a safe in her garage, and someone stole the safe. So what is your investment comfort level? It it's, should be secure in Jesus. Amen? Sowing into his kingdom. Verse 10 of Luke 16 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. There's a kind of a dual purpose of today's sermon. It's not just talking about eternal riches, but it's actually also talking about temporal blessings. That if we are faithful in little things, this is a point made last Sunday, we're driving it home again today, you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in big things. Oh, if I just had a million dollars, I'd be faithful to the Lord. No, you won't. If you can't be faithful with a hundred dollars, you're not going to be faithful with a million. When this church was small, we had an elderly gentleman named Lou Rappaport who had been a millionaire at one time in his life and had lost it all. And now he lived in a cabin in Western Hills Harbor with his dogs. And he used to come by the office. Church was small. I was there by myself in Western Hills Plaza and, and insists that I ride with him in one of his replica cars. He had some cool old cars. And we would ride around looking at places as though he was going to buy them. And to my dismay, I, I realized one day he didn't have the money. He was hoping to win the lottery. I mean, one time we went to Jeff's boss's house, one of, the, one of his bosses uh, over there by Country Love Theater, toured the whole house, this man just talked big like he had all the money in the world. He didn't have a dime. He had some replica cars. And one day his fantasy world came to an end and he ended his life. God wants us to live in the real world. Beware of the lottery. There's 999 million chances you're going to lose. They hide that from you. And they tricked us anyway when they brought that into, on, on the referendum. Remember, it was voted on. Wasn't it voted on? It was going to help education. Yes, education in Texas. I see the same newscast you have about the schools in Dallas where they're balancing chairs with tennis balls and all kinds of other crazy things. Where's that money going? There's a giant sucking sound coming out of Austin. Ross Perot, Hello. All right. Our faithfulness is proven when our riches are small. If you're dead broke, you can prove your faithfulness. Because our blessings are more than just money. It's everything we have. It's our opportunities in life. Will we be faithful with them? Verse 11, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Faithfulness with temporal riches assures eternal riches. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Our relationship to our money, our possessions, our blessings, uh, 
reveals where our heart is. Verse 12, if you have been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? If you have a job and you're disloyal to, to, to your boss or jealous of him or her and treat their stuff like it's crap, you're probably not going to get blessed. God sees that. Faithfulness with another's riches is key to having your own. Maybe you're a delivery truck driver. Don't be breaking the speed limit and wearing the man's flywheel out. Be faithful in what belongs to someone else so that you too one day in this life and the world to come will be blessed. Verse 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon has been called the God of money. Um, money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And so those who are serving money, living for it, uh, the Bible says it's evil to, to be that way. Faithfulness must ultimately be to God, not Verse 14, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they derided him. Oh, they had him good. He's justifying wickedness. Godly faithfulness runs counter to worldly culture. There are accountants that will tell you you're crazy for tithing. It's counter to the world's culture. But we trust God as our source, amen? Amen. Gas can go up to $5 a pint. And if it does at that time, we'll probably go metric. It'll be $15 a liter. But if it happens, you're still going to make it. We're still going to make it. You might be in better physical condition anyway. First part of verse 15, he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. Being approved by God is more important than people. And verse 15 ends in conclusion here. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Craving human esteem can lead us astray. Away from God's trust and away from trusting God and His blessings into our becoming unfaithful trustees. Craving human esteem can get you in debt in things that you can't afford. Craving human esteem can rob you of your peace and your joy. I read about Frank Sinatra. He, uh, before he died, he should have retired and he kept trying to perform. Sometimes his, his audience out of love for him, would help him with the words to his songs. And uh, his daughter said, Dad, you just need to retire. It's too hard. No, I've got to make more money. I've got to help you kids. I've got to make sure everybody's cared for. He passed. His family's still fighting over his fortune. And if he made it to heaven, he's probably a pauper up there. Key is... We value our relationship with God above all. 
And he cares about our descendants. The Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's your grandkids. He cares. He wants you to be blessed. Not preaching against investments. I'm just helping us have a grasp on reality. It's about more than this temporal world. There's a world to come that we need to, we need to think of and we have to look forward to. And it can build our peace and trust. Can God trust me too? Can he trust me to bless me more than he has? Where is my heart in respect to his blessings? Where is my security and who is my source? And where does my peace come from? Where does my help come from? Lord, I keep my peace comes from him too. He is the constant that cares. Heavenly investments. Luke 12, 29, Jesus said, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Heaven is in my heart. I want my heart to be in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to see the opportunity that is before us today that will have impact on our future tomorrow and impact on our future the next day and the next day and impact on our future in eternity as well, Lord. Help us, Lord, to recognize that we have a dual citizenship and that it applies to your blessings in our lives. It even applies to our checkbooks and to our money. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to be faithful stewards of all your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for entrusting to us all that you've entrusted to us. Help us, Lord, to always see opportunities to do your will in Jesus' name. And, Lord, when that day should come, when we'll meet those new friends in heaven, God, may we rejoice with them that we were able to do what you enabled us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you stand and let's sing another song? Can you do that? That one we just had, maybe, or... There's a river. city 
with us today if you have not considered your eternal destiny I promise you there is more to this life than this there has to be more than this this can't be all there is it's preparation for an eternal destiny do not miss out on your opportunity today that is yours to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior to make Him your Lord to receive your sins to be forgiven Amen praise the Lord today is a day of salvation today is your day. If you'd like to receive in this room's full of people who'd like to pray with you, just raise your hand if you'd like to pray with someone to receive Jesus. If you'd like to pray with someone to receive Jesus, raise your hand. Amen. Those who would like to pray with someone to receive Jesus, please raise their hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. So those that have their hands raised would love to pray with you. Don't let the sun set today without making Jesus the Lord of your life. Think about your future. Think about your tomorrow. Don't just think about tomorrow, but think about the great tomorrow. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may you go as His trustworthy stewards, preparing for tomorrow and the great tomorrow. God bless you. Amen.